Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Han J. Roger, the College Football Insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at TexasFootball.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Uh, you can subscribe at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. If you haven't as yet, now's a great time to do it. We're about to get right back into the thick of magazine season again before too long, believe it or not. Uh, we're going to have a lot of premium content all off season long, all season long. Uh, in, in fact, one big thing that's going to be coming up if you're a high school football fan, realignments. Yep. It's right around the corner. We're going to have all of the news first ahead of everybody else. And by the way, that voice that you just heard, Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how you doing? <laughs> hey, what's up? <laughs> uh, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot going on, right? I mean, I guess this is officially the first week of the offseason. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, over. obviously, the LSU Tigers are the college football national champions. A yep. sentence that if you had told me when LSU whiffed hard on Tom Herman and hired Ed Orgeron. And it worked. That four years later, they would be the college football national champions because they got a quarterback from Ohio State who really kind of flamed out and never really showed anything there, who turned into the greatest college football quarterback single season like in a decade at least right you know among the best ever yeah there's a lot of things there that are very confusing to me <laughs> yeah seriously oh man golly if, if the tea leaves or if lsu had had their way yeah where would everything where would everything be right if if, if lsu had their way tom herman would be in baton rouge right texas would be where uh, they'd have hired Nick Saban, obviously. Obviously, right. <laughs> but, like, they would have needed a splash hire. I don't know where they would have gone. Yeah, that would have been um, a disaster for Ed them. Ed Orgeron obviously would have left, right. you know, somewhere. Right. But, yeah. Hold up. So, where did – I know that, obviously, Joe Burrow, 60 touchdowns, first quarterback to ever do that. Mm-hmm. Where did he finish among the top passers? Because it was, it was, like, number All three. time? Yeah. Ooh, that's I, a good question. I think he was, like, number three. All time? Uh, I don't know. I mean, he only had two years. No, no, no. I mean, uh, I mean, single season. Oh, single season. He broke, he broke the passing touchdown record. I know he got the touchdown record. Oh, yards. Yeah, yeah. I, th- um, I think he finished like number three or four. Oh, God. Let's see. Let's see. This is great radio. I yes. know. I am aware. I am aware. Uh, he is third. Third. Oh, uh, BJ God. Simons and Graham Harrell. Are <laughs> so credit to Texas. Actually, honestly, so this is a good, the top five because uh, 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 he's tied for third, actually. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm assuming Keenum's on it, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, actually, it's, it's just Keenum. Okay. <laughs> Keenum's twice. He's tied with Keenum for third, and yeah. then Keenum again uh, is... Well, let's be clear. When we're talking about sing- about career, yeah. literally nobody will ever touch Case well, Keenum. Try- right. It, it's funny because, like, I remember last year... Six of the top ten are Texas, by the way. Texas God. players. <laughs> That's Yeah. That, the yeah. funny thing is, right, like, when it comes to Case Keenum, like, I remember looking up last year when De'Aaron King was having a great season mm-hmm. and being like, I wonder how he's doing in terms of Houston records. And you're right. just like, oh, not close. Not even close. <laughs> nope. <laughs> not remotely None close. at all, yes. It, I know that obviously whatever pass-happy system, all this sort of stuff, it does not matter. No. <laughs> it does not matter in the slightest. Absolutely not. I know. Uh, so going through the t- – just just, uh, just for fun. Yeah. Number one, BJ Simons. Number two, Graham Harrell. Number three, Joe Burrow. Tied for number three, Case Keenum. Yeah. Number five, Case Keenum. Uh, <laughs> number six, Anthony Gordon, which is, oh. I was kind of underrated this year oh, he, for Washington he's State. sixth. Wow. Yeah. Uh, number seven, Colt Brennan. Number eight, Ty Detmer. Number nine, David Klingler. And number 10, Graham Harrell. 
Yeah, so. that's that's insane. And then, by the way, LSU also still had almost a 1,500-yard rusher this year in yes. Clyde Edwards-Elair. Well, and, and that's something, you know, not to take away at all from the other four guys, well, the other three guys, I guess, in that top five. Wow. But, like, Burr wasn't playing an air raid system either. No. You know, I mean— No, this is a—it was a balance—it was a—it was a— uh, it's not an air raid. It's more. It is just more of a modern RPO. Right. Like, I mean, it was a Sean a Payton system. Right. Right. You know, that was the whole deal. But so nobody like, thinks of Sean Payton as air. He throws the ball a lot, but right. nobody thinks of him as air raid. It's no, they do a good job modern. of spreading it out. I mean, yeah. obviously, when you have three receivers like what they had, I mean, that makes it easier. But mm-hmm. uh, I mean, if, look, I think that obviously. Cam Newton's single season is up there for the greatest ever. Yeah. Uh, I'll get murdered if I don't say the words of Vince Young right. uh, and, and host of Texas Reggie College. Bush. You know, Reggie Bush. But, well, well, in terms of c- quarterbacks. Quarterbacks. Though. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. I mean, um, like. Yeah, I mean, Manziel obviously is up there. Um, like Tommy Frazier, Tim Tebow. Like, right. those are the guys This is who, on the short list of greatest single seasons ever. I re- like, it has to be because you look at. And I think I mentioned this on the show uh, on Texas Football Today the, uh, the other day was when, like. You look at everything that we that went into this season, yeah. right? You look at their resume. You yeah. look at you know Georgia, Bama, Clemson. I think they beat uh, five of the top eight. Five of the top eight teams, and they weren't close. No, like you, you know, you, we meant, we always mention don't take that last touchdown against uh, with Alabama like too seriously. No, they, that, that game was, was, that was well in hand. Um, I mean, their closest game legitimately was Texas. Right, their closest game was legitimately Hang the Texas. Yeah, exactly. I know, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, like you consider everything that went Auburn, into this. Uh, yeah, Auburn was close too. Oh, the Auburn was the, close. The, as well. Those were that's it. That's it. They blew out everyone, or at least not blew them out, but at least commandingly right. won every other game. And you look at Joe Burrow, who's won the Heisman, <laughs> broke Colt Brennan's passing touchdown record, which I think is a a record that snuck up on me. It was yeah. like December. He was like, oh, yeah, 57. T-. I was like, wait, he's this close to Colt Brennan? Right. Like, do you like, remember Colt? Like, that, that was – The hype Col- for Colt Brennan was insane. Colt Brennan was like – I mean, because this was, this was when I was still sort of a casual college football yeah, fan. Yeah, yeah, But it was like – that was just the number where it's like, all right, this isn't real. Right. Like, these aren't real numbers. 60, 59, you know, 59 <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah, and it like, was peak June Jones. Like, and, and I know that everybody's going to be like, well, they play 15 games now, which is fair. Sure. Uh, he averaged four touchdowns a game yeah. playing against that level of competition. Yeah. So it's like he's doing what Colt Brennan did against SEC level competition. By the way, they're still dominating running the ball and all this stuff, and he's yeah. part of that running game. Right. Let's keep that in mind. Like, you know, people, the, 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 the golden phrase was thrown about all over ESPN, sneaky fast. He's not <laughs> sneaky fast. Joe Burrow's an incredible right. athlete. <laughs> right. And, look, I mean, that's to say nothing. I mean, I mean, I think that we get bogged down sometimes in, like, the – Oh well, what's he going to do in the NFL thing? Like, I don't right. care, man. Like, I don't care. his legacy. As far set. as this right now, like right. what we're seeing right now, and as far as the jump he made, right? Like, we can talk about the uh, a similar jump. I get a, I get very. Um, uh, it's not a one to one comparison, but a Kyler Murray, sure. where it was like the same. The Kyler Murray that was at A and M was not the Kyler Murray that we saw at Oklahoma's last year, and so it's like. When you see, again, the first, the Joe Burrow we saw last year was not the Joe Burrow that was this year. Obviously, Joe Brady yeah. had something to do with that, similar to how Lincoln Riley had something to do with Kyler Murray. Yeah. Um, but there is something about, like, taking that step from, like, oh, okay, this guy's pretty okay to, oh, my God, this yeah. guy's lighting the world on fire. Right. It's insane. Yeah. It, it's absolutely insane. It's and by the way, 76% completion in all of that. And I'll tell you what, man. He was not a good passer a year ago. No, he was I not. I don't know what he happened. He was not. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> what? What? I don't know. What? It, it, college football is a lot more fun when teams like LSU 
are on top yeah. and doing cool things well, and putting th- out amazing social media videos. So. Right. Well, and the <laughs> thing is, is like, like I know that LC's a power, obviously. Yeah. And like, you know, so we're, we're not going to act like this was a Cinderella story. Right, right. But like the two guys who were at the front of it, Coach O, mm-hmm. who has been maybe as ridiculed as any coach in college football. Sure. He was an abject failure at Ole Miss. Right. Like he everybody looks at that tenure at tenure and like granted it was over 10 years ago, yeah. but still people look at that and they're like wow, that guy was a terrible head coach right. and he was a second choice. And I mean, you know, we saw the tweets uh, that were dug up from from when he was hired. Mm-hmm. of just like and people being like Dan Wolken, I know, had the tweet where he's like uh we heard that coach O was being hired and we laughed for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, it was the fact that they could have gotten Tom Herman and ended up with Coach O was something that people ridiculed them yep. for. They were like, you're LSU, one of the top ten jobs in America. What the hell are you doing hiring Coach O? One of the things that uh, are interesting about uh, – I heard – I forgot who mentioned it. But it was like – so after Ole Miss, right? Yeah. Abject disaster. Yeah. Um, what does he do after that? He doesn't exactly – uh, cast himself in a great light. He attached himself to Lane Kiffin right. at USC, or first right. at Tennessee, and then at USC. Right. And a guy whose reputation was already on shaky ground because right. of how he left the Raiders, because of how he left Tennessee. And so it was like, all right, now you're hitching your wagon to Lane Kiffin. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, then he doesn't get the USC job. And it was just like, it just kept being kind of a running joke, right? right. Um, and yeah, and like the redemption story is insane. And obviously what we learned and what I think a lot of hopefully administrations learned is that a guy can change over twenty over 10, 10 years, fifteen years, like because yeah. Coach O realized, oh, I don't need to be. I'm a defensive guy, but I don't need to be doing this plotting defensive uh, uh, minds. Have this mindset where the offense well, dictates the tempo or the and, pace of the game and all. And, this stuff. and the thing that I think that he's talked a little bit about is that you know the way that you coach being a head coach is mm-hmm. different than obviously i mean he's a defensive line coach yeah he's a he's a he is he, a guy at his heart right. he wants to line him up and run the ball and, and, and uh, run well, the ball and 80 percent of the time just, even just in terms of team management you yeah. know what? you don't have to give a fire up speech every time right you know you don't have to tear your shirt off every time right do it once he'll do it <laughs> no don't do get it. me wrong he will do it right what well, didn't he didn't he like threaten to like wrestle players who like still had like uh so like who who's loyal to the old coach and he basically like he basically like anyone any so i heard funny. this story he's like anyone who's still loyal to the old coach and he'll like will wrestle right now basically yeah <laughs> and like you know what that that's still within him he yeah. still like is a pump-up guy right, but, like, right right you know what everybody because of hoosiers and all that sort of stuff thinks that a coach's job is to give a great pump-up speech before we go out you know, if you're not pumped up to play in the national title game and get the hell off my team. Right. Exactly. You know, like you don't you don't have to do that. You can give your speech. Mm-hmm. You know, you can kind of be like, this is what we're up against. You know, this is what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like the reality is when you're a head coach, it's also a lot about strategy. Mm-hmm. It's a lot about just like, hey, man, we know that you're amped up for this game. Sometimes it's about taking kids down a little bit, too. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that, like, that's different than, hey, let's get you excited for practice. You know, it's just it's just a different sort of dynamic. But uh Let's okay. So I don't want to talk about the Baylor coaching search too long sure. because there is a it's, very real chance that by the time this podcast comes out, it is old news. Right. The two names that really entered the chat yesterday, right? First, Justin Twente, mm-hmm. uh, currently the head coach of Virginia Tech. Um, so, so here's the two flip sides of Justin Twente. One, mm-hmm. you know how Memphis is a good program now. Yes, that's Justin Twente's fault. <laughs> like they were a disaster 
when he took it over. And now I think that it's on the short list for best group of five programs in America. And you also know how TCU magically went from Andy Dalton being quarterback to all of a sudden having a spread system, yeah. partially in due to Justin Fuente as well. Yeah, and and he also was the offensive coordinator when they went to the Rose Bowl. No, that's, yeah, that is true, yes, so, with, with the Dalton. So he, yeah. he, he kind of finished out and helped turn Andy Dalton into an NFL prospect mm-hmm. after you know he was okay. Right. You know, And so... Like this is a coach who has had success. Now, now again, this is a decade ago. Yeah. Which, by the way, I didn't realize Justin Fuentes only forty three. Yeah, I, I I didn't know he was that young, but I figured he was like mid to. I thought he was more late forties. I, I assume that he was late forties, early fifties. But mm-hmm. no, he is very young. <laughs> uh, the flip side, he is obviously now the head coach at Virginia Tech, yeah. a place where he has been, let's just say, inconsistent. Mm-hmm. His first two years, they go a combined nineteen and eight, good start. Uh, 2018 was a disaster, both mm-hmm. on and off the field. Um, you know, apparently there was infighting. Apparently there were was rebellion. Yeah. Now, you don't necessarily know how much to attribute to a head coach. Like mm-hmm. it's just hard to know. Yeah. You know? But but there's a reality that he didn't really handle it either. Um, it was their first losing season in many many years since obviously before Frank Beamer or, or early in Frank Beamer's tenure. Uh, they bounce back. They go eight and five this year. Still have some embarrassing moments. So, I don't know what exactly you're getting. Right. Uh, I mean, again, I, I don't want to dismiss this. I think that if he came into this situation, I think he could have success, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's actually recruited the state of Texas pretty well. He's got good relationships. He knows the landscape. Um, you know, again, he has built a program from way lower than, like, anywhere else. Yeah. You're talking Memphis. Memphis football. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I don't know how many of you have been to the University of Memphis. It's not a nice campus. No. It's not really part of the city. The, the locals don't care about Memphis football. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, I'm sure they do now. Right. But, but like, this was a bad job yeah. when Justin Fuente took it over. And he has he turned it in his third season into a 10-win team tied for first in, in the division. Like, that's pretty damn good. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I definitely think that at this point, you know, if you're Baylor, I, I think that you feel like you can do better. Um. Again, it's one of those hires that I think that they could make it and maybe it would work out better than people think. But mm-hmm. it's definitely one that I think that people would rightfully be sort of skeptical of. Yeah. Uh, the other name that came, to, uh, that came to the top of people's list yesterday was Dave Aranda, mm-hmm. the defensive coordinator at LSU. Um, so Aranda's interesting, right? The, the words, I've used kind of the same words to talk about him to everybody uh, the last couple of days. He's a quiet guy. Mm-hmm. You know, hasn't been sort of that vocal leader on the team, which most coordinators aren't. I mean, that's not unusual. But he's more of a reserved guy. But he's a football genius. I mean, he is as good a defensive coordinator as in college football. I mean, we're talking about, I think that the three guys we brought up earlier, the top three defensive minds probably right now in college football are Gary Patterson, Dave Aranda, and Brent Venables. Mm-hmm. Like, they are... Probably. I mean, another, I'll throw, I think we. I'll throw Saban in there. I think we always forget yeah, yeah, that yeah, Saban yeah, is yeah, also yeah, sure, c- just because sure. of Bama's whole and, structure. But I, right, at the yes, heart, Saban is a defensive yes, guy too. Yes. Uh, also, also phenomenal defensive yes. coach, of course. And um, but you know, so like that's kind of the list. Like we're talking top five, probably at the worst. Right. Uh, never run a program before. Mm-hmm. Been part of programs that have been relatively established and and are kind of like. He's been part of programs that have strong head coaching presences. Yes. You know, because he coached under Gary Anderson at both Utah State and at uh, Wisconsin. He coached under Les Miles and Ed Orgeron at LSU. Um, you know, so it, this is this is a coach who hasn't been the face of his program before. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad thing. That's just a statement. Um, 
I think that if Baylor were to hire him, he'd be exciting from the perspective of I think he's a tremendous X and O's coach. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that he would continue the defensive reputation that Baylor is building, and I think that is a good thing. I think he has a lot of talent at Baylor to do with what he wants. Yeah. The the two big questions I'd have about it, one, what offense would they run? Yep. I I think that's an obvious question. Mm -hmm. Um, You know what I mean? Because, like, this LSU team this year, this was statistically his worst defense since before Utah State. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously. That's a good standard. (laughs) Right. And, And I think that the other thing, too, that we look at is, like, hey, part of the reason that they gave up a bunch of yards and points was because they sat their starters at halftime. Also true. You know, the, I'd be curious where they rank in terms of first half defense. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that they were tremendous from that perspective. Like, I mean, they again, they weren't really close. Right. Um, and, and I think that you saw in the national title game, I mean, it was a tremendous defensive game plan. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they kind of took Trevor Lawrence out of the game. Mm-hmm. So he very much still has it in him. I mean, but but I think that, you know, if Dave Rand is the one calling the shots, does he want to play with that wide open offense that, that Joe Burrow ran? I don't know. Right. And if he doesn't, eh, you know, that, that, that's a little concerning. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I'd be curious about is, like, if it were me, if I were Mac Rhodes, the athletic director, I'd throw a ton of money to try to keep Joey McGuire around because sure. he is not the dynamic recruiter who's going to go and win over everybody. Yeah, he. it's definitely going to be, especially when the fact that they've lost Phil Snow, lo- yeah. it looks like, like con- uh, Phil Snow leaving kind of throws <laughs> – the need for continuity. I don't want to say yeah. out the window, but it definitely puts it like second or third. Yeah. Or yeah. Like maybe fourth no on the, the priority level. So, you know, so if they hire somebody like Aranda, who knows who else leaves, right? Are we right. looking at a mass exodus of staff probably. or does he or probably from his desire too? he probably wants to bring in his yeah, own guys. I mean, so you'd want somebody, especially where Baylor's right now, I feel like to ease that transition. Right. Yeah. And you obviously want somebody, you don't know Aranda's, sole acumen as a recruiter and so right. like, you want somebody like a joey mcguire there too you know because i mean what well, theoretically he's not a texas guy i don't think he's a texas i think he was at houston for a little bit he, he coached linebackers at houston and was yeah. a grad assistant at texas okay Tech. so he has, te- has he's, a degree from he's there. been here he's yes. been here before um but but what are theoretically what are the first couple things he's gonna do he's, and i will say yeah. obviously recruited texas a lot as, as L- right LSU. lsu yes correct um but theoretically, like somebody like him who isn't a lifer, yeah, what's he going to do? He's going to hire a couple of Texas guys probably. Yeah. And why not get one of the ones that was the right. best in the state well, at his and, job? And I think that it's going to be interesting, whoever they go with, mm-hmm. because you know we're not just talking about like that one guy on staff and Joey McGuire. Like, Sean Bell left a good job at Cedar Ridge. Mm-hmm. To, uh, he's a former Baylor quarterback. You Wetzel. Know, I, Wetzel, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's director of high school ops. That's the sort of guy who you think maybe could stay in that role sure. potentially. I mean, I think he's he was ready to get out of coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Sean Bell, I think is a little more difficult, obviously, just because. Right. You know, I mean, he Younger was offensive guy. line coach. Definitely not going to be an offensive line coach. Right. Uh, you know, heading forward. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and and I don't know what what he'll want either. So, it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think that if Aranda comes in, I'm also curious too what his network is like. He's mm-hmm. also a very young coach, also 43. Mm-hmm. Um. Again, coached all over the country. Uh, I'm I'm curious to see who he'd want to bring in. I know. Does he start like? Because I mean, he he's a Gary Anderson guy at heart, or the bulk of his career, I would say. Yeah. You know, does does some of the tech guys come up? Does he look at tech a little bit? Trying to get some, yeah. some of those position coaches, maybe promotions or something like that. Um, uh, you know, falling under the Matt Wells trees a little bit. Um, does he go to Wisconsin or uh, Oregon State? I think is where Anderson's at. 
Uh, no, he's no, back. He's back at he's Utah, back at Utah State. 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 And so, you know, if he gets, does he go back with some guys there? I don't know. Like, I, I it's a good point. What is his network? Because it looks like, I mean, it's hard to imagine him stealing anybody from LSU. Like, their, no, their job no, is cush. No, no. I, I don't think so. I mean, so the one thing that you say is that, he, for better or for worse, he's coached under different types of offenses. Right? Sure. So he's coached, obviously, an air raid when mm-hmm. I think Leach was there um, in, in 0203. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so yeah, yeah, he definitely was there in 0203. So, yes. so he was linebacker's coach under Mike Leach. Mm-hmm. Uh, would he have been a grad assistant under Dana Dimmel? I believe so. I think that's right. That's kind of weird. Ninety nine, ninety nine and oh one through oh one. I think that's mm, no. Dim might no no no. I think you got it reversed. Um, hold on, let me see. Who was before Leach at Tech? At Tech, okay. I thought that I thought that uh, he was at Tech from. He was at Tech from ninety nine to oh one. He was a linebackers coach at Houston from oh two to oh three. Okay, so I think that I think that. Um, Leach went to Tech in 2000. Okay, so he was a little bit of a little, he finished with Leach, yeah, and then he went to Houston okay. in oh, early early 2000s as a linebacker coach. I'm looking okay. at it right now. Yeah, 2002 2003 Houston. Yeah, before going to Cal Lutheran and then obviously. Yeah, so uh, again, he he has been around, but but what you're talking about is a guy who has coached under a pure air raid coach. Yep. Um, you're talking about a guy who's coached under a pure running coach mm-hmm. at Wisconsin, obviously. In uh, in both Paul Christ and Gary Anderson, mm-hmm. you know, very run based systems. You're talking about a guy who's obviously coached both at LSU, you know, both a pass based and a run based system. So I don't really know exactly what his identity would what his be. preference would be. Yeah, right. So um, I think so. I kind of threw this theory out there, and I, I don't want to say like I'm. This is my overall opinion of the Aranda hire, but. The last time I feel like we saw this was, and granted, there are different there are different personalities. You mentioned this to me uh, was Will Muschamp, mm-hmm. um, young coordinator from a hotshot uh, a, a, a program on the rise, continuing to be you know at the top of college football at the time when he was at Texas, and young mind coached under different offenses. Right, he coached under Tuberville, he coached under Mac Brown when they started to spread it out more with Vince Young or not Vince Young, uh, Cole McCoy, yeah. Um, he coached under, and then obviously when he got the Florida job, people saw that as a great hire. And what was his, what were his instincts? Run based, right? Because he's defensive. Now, again, I don't want to cast that aspersion on Aranda, but we've seen that before. This young defensive coordinator, who is one of the best in the country at his position, at his yeah. at his job right now, um, coach under multiple different schemes and offenses, reverting back to his roots. We've seen well, that before. The one thing that I will say, yeah. Is that they did just win a national title running this? Season. Fair enough. Fair, uh, fair enough. You know, so I don't know what Aranda would take from that. Yeah. Now, anyway, again, we probably don't need to be this far into to the Baylor coaching search because right. by the time this episode's out, I'm sure that this will be outdated. Right. Uh, <laughs> so we got to talk about Derek King. Yeah. Uh, so a few weeks ago, we were thinking maybe Dana Holgerson is a genius, right? You know, yeah. he has this idea. 2020 is going to be the year. Uh, it's going to be a great move. And and obviously, Derek King has now entered the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. I don't know if if uh, I don't know if I or I guess me and you were always of the fe- we were of, a little skeptical. Yeah, it was like this is this is an interesting gamble. Don't think it's going to pay off. Yeah, <laughs> if yeah. anything, it earned him another year, like yeah. of, of rebuild. Like I don't know. Anyway, you can yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it goes from Dana looking like if you want to go to the most charitable charitable mm-hmm. interpretation of everything. Yeah. It goes from Dana Holgerson looking like he has a master plan to Dana Holgerson looking like he just lost his best player, and right. that's it. You know, and right. 
And I think that if you're a Houston fan, I mean, I don't think it's a big shock if you're a Houston fan. No. But I think that it definitely puts a damper on what you thought could be a fun 2020 season. Mm-hmm. Because I think that, again, you looked at all the transfers who would have been eligible next year. You look at all the guys who you think could be coming back. Uh, the other guy who I don't think we mentioned is Isaiah Chambers is apparently leaving too. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. So he says he's going to grad transfer. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough. It's a tough situation, I think. And there's still going to be a lot of talent, I think, coming back on defense. And we saw later in the year, like, that's something that we, you know, they, they started to find their footing a little bit on yeah. defense, especially. Uh, and I think Clayton Toon is still a better fit for what Dana Holgerson wants to do than Derek King. But, sure. but that's a long-term projection. Right. The other thing that kind of sucks about it is that Clayton Toon, all of a sudden a junior. Yeah. You're cycling through his eligibility real quick. Yeah. So I think when Dana when when Dana made this made this decision, it had to be in the back of his head, right? Like he's there's a good chance, not even a greater than zero, like a good legitimately good chance that he would have left. Part of me wants to think that it was made because of this new transfer system and this new transfer portal. Part of me thinks that let me see what I have with Clayton Toon. Yeah. And then at the end of the year, if I don't feel that I have it, yeah. let me go get somebody like, not not, not breaking any news here, somebody like A. Jet Duffy. Right. right. Somebody like that who's capable of running this offense. Um, Do you I, think that Toon showed enough? No. Yeah. I, don't th- I don't think it showed enough to where Dana's not going to try and dip into the transfer right. portal. Well, and the other thing, too, about, like you mentioned, A. Jet Duffy is that it's one year – Mm-hmm. We know that Clayton Toon wants to have that redshirt year. Yeah. I mean, he does want to – like, he's played two years already and hasn't really played two years already. Right. That's the thing that kind of sucks about all of it is, yeah. like, uh, you know, he just got far enough along both seasons that now he's lost two years mm-hmm. and not doesn't have much to show for it. Yeah, because, like, if you get somebody like that, a plug-and-play starter for for just one year, yeah. you, do, you do multiple things. You one, it says to guys like Keith Corbin and uh, um, uh, Stevenson as well. Oh, this isn't a wash year, yeah. right? This one year, your last year is not a wash, yeah, right. And it gives Dana a chance to build some cachet with. He already has that; he's not getting fired. But um, it has a chance to be like, look, we're we're we are committed to winning, right? In twenty twenty, boom, here's this chance win eight nine games potentially. Um, look, we're not just tanking you know, multiple seasons. And of course it gives whoever, whatever quarterback, it gives you 2020 to go find a quarterback or Clayton Toon, right? It gives them chances to learn, to not have the weight of the program on their shoulders in year one, in a, um, uh, early on. So it does multiple things if they were to do this. And I think that Dana had that in the back of his mind where it was like, this kid's way too talented yeah. to bank on, uh, because on, also looking at it this way, First couple of games weren't great yeah. from Derek King, and the, the marriage did not look great. Right. <laughs> and so I think when he made that decision, it was like, look, I think from, I think it was a little bit of both. I don't think Dana pushed him out. I think I don't think Derek King forced himself out. I think it was just like this might just work best for both because Derek King also said probably thought I don't want to bank on this system not working for me in my last year. Right. Well, and what I've heard is that, and and I think for good reason when you look across the country at Kyle Trask, his high school backup, yeah. you know, having probably being the best returning quarterback in the SEC, right? right. Yeah, he's he's seeing him light it up at the Citrus Bowl, whatever right. it was, and so he's like, "Come on!" I so can. so yeah. what I've heard is that Derek King 
is looking at college football, looking what he's accomplished mm-hmm. in a very good conference, by the way. Like, yeah. you know, everyone wants to talk about the AAC. I mean, this is a very good conference. He sees that uh, that there is an opportunity for him to either, in his last season, because he knows he's not going to play quarterback at the next level, to either compete for a national championship mm-hmm. or compete for the Heisman. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that he assumes that he's going to win it or anything like that. But, you know, right. he thinks, I am good enough that if I am in the right situation, I can get a lot out of my final season. Right. Which I think is unquestionably true. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I think that in the right system, in the right situation, at the right school, he unquestionably could compete for all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and since he's only going to be a college quarterback and then in the NFL is probably something different, mm-hmm. like, why not? You yeah. know, like, why would you waste your last season of eligibility on four and eight? Mm-hmm. You know, that's at Houston. Yeah. You know, and I think that there's a lot of truth to that. And, for example, if Houston had showed more last year, if they mm-hmm. finished seven and five and look like they're a quarterback away, I think he considers coming back. Yeah. But, like, again, this is a four and eight team that's about to lose one of their best defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. You know, so, like, I don't know. It's it's tough. Okay, so let's let's finish up with this. So. Yeah. I released my list of the way too early Texas College Power Poll for 2020. Mm-hmm. So this is looking forward. Yep. This is how we think that 2020 could finish. Mm-hmm. Not how we're projecting going into the year, how we think it could finish, right? right. So let's go through. Number 12, UTEP. Mm-hmm. <sighs> what is there even to say, man? I mean, you know. <laughs> they are the it only, is what it is. They are the only one of the bottom teams yeah. that I don't feel like made any effort to improve themselves. Mm-hmm. Now, they're a developmental program. You know, Dana Dimmel got the five-year contract because... He thinks it's a process, all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But they did not do anything tangible to improve themselves. Nope. It's all going to be internal if there's growth. And, you know, look, we are all part of Dion Hankins' hive, obviously. Right. But, uh, I mean, that's still a lot to ask. Number 11, UTSA. Uh, new coaching staff. Still don't have a defensive coordinator in place, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, still some word out there that it could be Craig Nivar, but but he's also been rumored to Texas Tech. He'll also have opportunities at other Power 5 schools. I mean, we'll see yeah we'll see i think that at one point that looked like a home run and at this point it's a little bit more up in the air so that, so once we know a little bit more about that i think that'll help but still utsa i mean first year of a new coach i think it's going to be a lot number 10 texas state another team that drastically needs to improve uh and and recognize that right you know they fired three assistants they brought in a new offensive coordinator and jacob peeler um uh, again, we've mentioned it a couple times. His Twitter handle is Nasty Wideouts. <laughs> if the only thing he adds to this offense is that the wideouts become nasty, we'll take Job it. Job done. <laughs> yeah, that's all we need. I mean, we are talking about a team that last year had one player with more than 30 receptions and one player with more than 400 yards. Yeah. And it was Hutch White, who, again, nice player. Good, but, but not the number one. Not in, what we're looking for. Yeah. Uh, number nine, Rice. Rice ended the season as hot as anybody. Oh, yeah. They won their last three games. They beat North Texas. They beat Middle Tennessee. Uh, I think they beat UTEP, too. I think that was the third one. But yes. um, they ended as hot as anybody. Uh, now they have to rebuild a little bit. They, they need to bring in some new pieces on the offensive line. Uh, they've got another grad transfer quarterback in Michael Collins, who I think is a very good fit for what they want to do. If And I believe he's coming in in the spring, which should help, because mm-hmm. that was the whole deal with Tom Stewart last year is that he only came in in the fall, so he had to learn on the fly. Um, but, you know, if, if Collins can be as good as I think he can be, Rice could win a couple more games this year. This is where it gets interesting. Number eight, North Texas. Man. <laughs> they are in rebuilding mode. Yeah. Golly. If there was ever – I think we mentioned this <laughs> – I mentioned this in passing, but 
if there was a worse year for Seth Luttrell yeah. to come down to earth, right? it was the year that Baylor needs a new head coach. Right. <laughs> if, if they are coming off of nine wins... Like, I don't know if he gets the I job. I don't know if he gets it. But, but we're talking about him as a serious candidate. If he is coming off of 11 wins last year, like he probably could have and should have had. Right. Like, yeah, he's probably the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not, unfortunately. But, um, you know, and also if you can bring Graham Harrell, I think that, that helps too. Yeah. And, and that obviously is not going to happen right now. Um, big question at quarterback. I don't think anybody really knows what direction that's going to go. Jason Bean's been the primary backup, but cool right you know i mean they've got Asanani back there former argyle star who's 25 26 now mm-hmm. um showed some things last year didn't show a ton uh the other guy they have is case martin former manville quarterback they have a kid named will cooney from oklahoma who they like i mean they really don't have a guy who's next in line to replace mason Fine. nope this is gonna be interesting <laughs> yeah. now they still have all that skill position talent There's sure still, still a lot there defensively they bring back a lot there's opportunity, but but man, they got a lot. They got a lot to show. Yeah. They they really need to grow up a lot. The one thing I will say, Mason Fine looking really good in the uh, the Shrine Bowl practices, from what I can see. Nice. So uh, a lot of people saying that he's the best West quarterback right now. So you know, sweet. May, maybe he can nudge his way into you know a late combine invite or something like that. Who's to know? Who's to know? Here's the deal, man. If you give Mason Fine a, a chance to throw the ball, you're going to come away impressed. So. Right. Let's hope that he can do it. Uh, number seven, Texas Tech. So Texas Tech wasn't that far away this year, in my opinion. Right. Uh, they had a couple bad losses. Obviously, I mean, if if one more Texas Tech fan talks to me about the the false snap thing on Baylor, I I swear to God I will <laughs> lose it. But uh, obviously, they were very close to winning that game. They should have won the Kansas game. Obviously, if if Douglas Coleman doesn't try to pitch the ball uh, or whatever the hell happened there. Right. Um. You know. So I mean, they weren't that far away from six wins. They have, I think, a couple more opportunities this year. That and Matt Wells was, is a process coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's like what we talk about with Matt Rule. They hired him for the long term, right? And you know, and I understand why there was frustration the first year. But like, this is not a guy who wanted to come in year one and fix everything. Yeah, right. He wanted to come in and build something sustainable. And I think he's done a good job of that. I think he's recruited very well. He's got a lot of grad transfers that are going to be second year guys this year, um, which I think is a big deal, of course. And uh, and again, the team's just going to be a year older. They're going to get Alan Bowman back. That should help to uh, have another full offseason to go through with them. There's upside here. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. think that they're going to be like an eight or nine win team necessarily, but they should get back to a bowl game, in my opinion. Number six, Houston. If you had told me that Jared King, well, well, actually, actually, let me phrase it like this: When I was putting this list together. We were still not sure about sure. whether Derek King was going to come back. He announced during the national title game. That was great. That was a great news job. He's like, by the way, here it is. Yeah. <laughs> Just throws it in there. Throws Jeez. the grenade, closes the door. <laughs> it's, it's insane. Um, who knows? Maybe he was watching LSU and is like, that's my team. <laughs> <laughs> he, I'm, this is actually my commitment right now. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm, I'm committing. Uh, but Houston, you know, potentially had upside to be a top three team in the state, yeah. I think. Uh, obviously, I think that's gone now. I think that. This team is fundamentally pretty similar to what it was last year with a couple more transfers. I think they will make be back in a bowl game and be back around the seven-win mark, mm-hmm. but it, it's still just a lot to ask from Clayton Toon. It's sure. still a lot to ask from that team. Um, do we ever figure out whether Mark West Stevenson for sure is coming back? I, I, I still I don't – I thought he was. I, I thought he was too, but, I mean, God, there's just so yeah, much Yeah, news. yeah, yeah. Okay. Joseph Duarte had it. Okay, cool. So, so, so that's a big deal, I yeah. think, for, for Houston – um, you know he's the 
he could come into the year maybe as on the short list for best wide receiver, right? I mean, who, who else are we talking? God, Prochet's on. Prochet's gone. Uh, Duvernay's gone, gone. Mims is gone. Rager's gone. Y- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Colin Johnson's gone. Yep. I mean, he's he's on the short list, I, I think, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's going to be a huge thing for them. Um, but, but again, until something fundamentally changed, I think they're number six. Yep. Okay. This is where we have to start parsing through these, these top teams. So, I have TCU at five. Okay. The reason for that is I like Max Duggan. I'm not as sold as TCU fans seem to be on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's a reality that now, without Jalen Rager, without Darius Anderson and Shea Lua, he has to carry their offense. Oh. Like, if you had told me that, okay, they bring back all their linemen, they bring back all their receivers, and we need to see progress from Duggan, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But we need him to take over games now. Yeah, and which is why, like... I mean, I saw a lot of the a lot of the rumors floating around during the national title was like, I mean, Derek King's first commitment was to TCU. It was, um, you know. So does does Gary Patterson look at this year and he doesn't feel that Max Duggan is the guy to go into a full season uh, as the starter? Does he look in the transfer portal? Who knows? Um, but as of right now, is what we're looking at with this roster right now. Yeah, there's. I liked what I saw at times. Um, like the Texas win was definitely a lot on his shoulders and he stepped up to the plate a yeah. lot. The Baylor game was a lot on his shoulders and he right. stepped in times he steps up he stepped up to the plate. Consistently though, I don't see it. Yeah. <laughs> the the big issue for me, right, is like I think that he has some gamer in him, obviously. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I think that, you know, one guy that I've funnily enough kind of compared him to in terms of being a gamer purely is like Charlie Brewer. It mm-hmm. reminded me early in Brewer's career where like it wasn't clear if he was good or not. Right. But like the team played better right. compared to the other guys they had. On right. The right. The difference is he is no. He, he has a bigger arm, mm-hmm. but he has nowhere near the completion percentage, nowhere near the accuracy. Like right. he's throwing a. He's spraying a lot. Right. And that's something that I think can get better in time. Um, you know, it's the sort of thing that obviously if we didn't see him for two years, we wouldn't necessarily be criticizing it as much. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if he just had a chance to just develop a little bit. Um, but it's it's a lot to ask to both develop that and also be on the field trying to save the team at the same time. Yeah. Um, and defensively, I think they're going to be probably better next year than they were this year. You know, so I mean like five and seven probably won't happen again. But offensively it's just it's hard to see where exactly they take that step. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean and the offense was bad last year, but it honestly like I don't know what they could have done a whole lot differently either. You know, it's not like they had like a thing. Obviously the one thing is targeting Jalen Rager, who right. they don't have next year. Uh you know, obviously one thing is like I mean, you know, being more creative in the run game when mm-hmm. it comes to using Darius Anderson and stuff like that. He's gone now. I, I don't know where the step's going to come from. And now I think Tay Barber is ready to take that number one receiver role, but, like, that's kind of it. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of the deal. <laughs> so uh, TCU's at number five for me. Number four, the team without a head coach, the Baylor Bears. So the reason that I put Baylor ahead of TCU is because I still think that they have enough infrastructure coming back to improve in areas. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the offensive line is going to take another step next year uh, because they're going to be a lot of, you know, redshirt juniors now instead of redshirt sophomores playing on the line, true juniors in the case of Connor Galvin. Yeah. You're going to have a senior quarterback. 
You're bringing back all the uh, running backs except for Michael Hasty. Mm-hmm. You're bringing back most of the receivers. Obviously losing Mims, but I think that Tyquan Thornton proved he can step into that role. I'm really not re- worried based on some of the guys I feel like they have at receiver. Um, you know, defensively is where the big question is. Now that they've lost James Lynch and Graylin Arnold, they're losing nine starters on defense. That's a big deal, yeah. including that entire defensive front. Mm-hmm. So that that's another question about like which guy do they bring in defensively? You know, is if Dave Rand is the guy, I mean, I think that you can scheme it up. Mm-hmm. I think they have a lot of talent back there. Yeah. Um, you know, Terrell uh, Bernard is yeah. a star. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I think that at cornerback, Rally Tejada, big-time player. True. Seriously. And, and, like, I think some of the other guys that they have coming in, you know, uh, Byron Hansford is a guy who hasn't even really played as yet. Mm-hmm. He was a star. Uh, was it DeSoto? That DeSoto, he, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was a star, you know, a couple of years ago at DeSoto. I think that he's going to take a bigger role this year. Safety, I think they have a lot of names back there. Defensive line, I think they have some developmental guys that they feel really good about. Guys like Chidi Ogbenaya, uh Guys like, I mean, uh, um, Josh Landry is another guy. Like, they have bodies. The question is is whether the next coaching staff is going to get as much out of them mm-hmm. as the previous coaching staff. But this is also a team that won 11 games. So you talk about regression, which should happen. Regression is still like seven, eight wins in my opinion. Sure. Like I think that a new staff can come in here and already get a decent amount out of these players. Mm-hmm. This isn't going to be them falling back to 4-8 and eight or 1-11 and 11 or anything like that. Right. You know, there's just too much infrastructure there there's too many guys with experience there um and i think that they did a good job of rotating too on defense especially you know i think that they got some of these young guys some key playing time uh you know i know we saw a lot of obanaya in the in the sugar bowl for example so uh i think they're still upside there they're not going to be as good as they were last year obviously but uh but i think the offense actually could be the thing that helps propel them forward so this might be my most uh well actually all three of the top three are interesting i have smu at three Okay, yeah. I still think that they're going to be a good team next year. Yeah, I still think so, too. They're not going to be a 10-win team. Right. But they bring back maybe their most important player in Shane Bouchel. Mm -hmm. You know, a guy who changed everything there. They bring back a lot of linemen on offense. Defensively, they don't. Defensively, they got to replace their defensive line. They got to get some new linebackers in there. Although, they are somewhat optimistic that Richard McBride could get a sixth year, which would Mm -hmm. be a pretty big deal. Uh, In the secondary, I mean, they lose a lot. So defensively, Kevin Kane's got his work cut out to try to figure it out. But offensively, I mean, yes, they lose James Prochet, but they've got Reggie Robertson coming back, mm-hmm. who actually, another guy who could be the best receiver in the state next year, along with Marquez Stevenson. Uh, they've got Rasheed Rice, a guy who developed a lot last year. They've got a Juco receiver coming in that they feel really good about. Kylan Granson? Yeah, tight Kyle end. Like he was a great tremendous. tight end for them. Tremendous. So. He had, what, six touchdowns, I think? I yeah. mean, he was really good for them. Uh, let me see, nine. Nine touchdowns. Oh. <laughs> uh, running back. That's the big issue. Yeah. That it is, do they see TJ McDaniel as that guy? And that's a lot to ask from him a next lo- year. Because like, his one game was against Texas State. Right. And, and he never did anything. And he again. never did anything. They, right. didn't, you know, they didn't ask him to because Freeman and uh, uh, Xavier Jones were fine. Right. <laughs> they were fine right. together. But they lose um, both those guys. Yeah, but they lose both. So is TJ McDaniel that guy, or do they have some another recruit that they potentially like more? Right. Who knows? I, and I think that, I think that he's going to come in there. Uh, they had another running back recruit last year who was – I believe in the same sort of caliber of ranking as as TJ McDaniel. So they've got guys. Yeah. They can always move a guy over from receiver if they don't feel like they have a guy too because they've got so much talent there. Mm-hmm. Like there's options. I, but I think this offense could still continue to be really special. I do think that one thing that's going to matter is that I think that Rhett Lashley leaving is going to be a big deal. Mm. Um, they don't have a guy as yet to run the offense. The big thing I want to see is I want to see 
Sonny Dykes continuing to be aggressive in terms of ceding responsibility to his offense coordinators. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, this was this was a coach at Cal, obviously, who worked with Jake Spavadol at the time, especially. Mm-hmm. You know, Davis Webb was a guy who just launched the ball everywhere. Jer- uh, uh, Jared Goff, yeah. same thing. Like, they just launched the ball everywhere. And in this team, now, now Shane Bouchelle threw the ball downfield a lot, you know, threw the ball a lot, but the fact that they had both aspects to their game mm-hmm. was huge. That's why they were so unguardable, because they had both Xavier Jones, Kamon Freeman, and Shane Bouchelle to James Marseille and Roger Robertson. So I want to see them bring in another guy who's not just an air raid guy, mm-hmm. because I think that that, ad- I think that was just such a great balance. There, there really was. And uh, but, but, you know, I think that they're going to find that guy. I think that Sonny Dykes has proven, you know, with both Kevin Kane and with Rhett Lashley, that he's willing to seed things over if he finds guys that he trusts. So I think that SMU is still going to be good next year. Again, what does good look like? It's probably more like eight or nine wins with their schedule as opposed to ten. But I think there's plenty of upside still left, um, and I think that they're going to be a really good team. Okay, this is where this is where uh, obviously we're gonna we're gonna get some things. Uh, okay, I feel like I. I, I... I have a ranking in mind, and I, I'm hoping you think similarly. All right. What's yours? Is yours A&M 1, Texas 2? It is. <laughs> so, so, this is important. Yeah. Okay? This is very important. Mm-hmm. First of all, Texas A&M and Texas had basically the same ex- exact seasons last year. Yes. Right? Like, we, we got arguing over who's the more impressive 8 and 5. I don't give a damn. <laughs> right? Like, you Both guys had five. the exact same season, arguably. Yeah. Right? Like, like, Texas actually had the more impressive win, obviously, in, in, in Utah. Yeah. A&M was probably more consistently excellent throughout. Mm-hmm. Like, you had the same season. Right. If you want to use common <laughs> opponent, Texas played better against LSU. Like, come on. Like, yeah. <laughs> Texas played better against Oklahoma State. Like, but then again, I think Texas A&M played better yeah. for, during their, you know, eight wins. Yeah. I don't know. They had the same season. So right. so anybody wants to argue like, oh, well, we proved that we were better. No, you didn't. You didn't prove anything. <laughs> Pro- projecting months and months and months yes. into the future. Now, here's why I have Texas A&M number one. Mm-hmm. Texas A&M could be a 2% better team next season and potentially walk into 9 or 10 wins. Yep. Now, I think they're also going to be better. Mm-hmm. That, that's an important but part. But this is, this is, this, I'll say this. If AM transposes this exact AM team yeah. into next year, I think they are 10 wins. Right. So, so, so here's the deal, right? You look at AM. Yeah. They had a nightmare schedule this year. They played five top 15 teams. Yes. Next year, they, pl- uh, they switch out Georgia and Clemson for Colorado and Vanderbilt. Yes. And then on top of that, you play at home, s- by the way. Uh, yeah, at home, by the way. Yeah. Both those games at home. Vanderbilt's at home and Colorado's at home. That's right. That's yeah. right. All right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then on top of that, Auburn is losing their two best defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. And it's Auburn. They can literally right. be anything year to year. <laughs> right. uh, I am extremely not on Team Bo Nix right. at, at this particular enough, point. Yeah. I, I think he could be fine down the line. Sure. But, like, he was okay this year. Mm-hmm. Uh. And then on top of that, because there are two games, obviously, that everybody's going to have circled on the calendar uh, for good reason, because Anna's probably going to be a touchdown underdog against both of them. But they play Alabama and LSU in the last two weeks of the season. They get LSU at home this year, which I think is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Both of those teams will be breaking in not just new quarterbacks. They're going to be replacing generational quarterbacks. Yeah. I will say... As far as that specific, the quarterback thing, I think they would have got, rather gotten them earlier. 
Yes, that's because assuming that's, assuming that's Mac fair. Jones is the guy, whoever they yeah. have, and whoever LSU brings in, they're obviously they will be broken in by that point. And we will know what they are, right? Um, but still, nonetheless, they're not Tua and they're not Joe Burrow. Yeah, yeah. So I think that obviously I expect them to lose to both Alabama and LSU, but it's not the same level of getting dominated. I think. Yeah. And here's here's one more thing I will say: there is something about the potential of a ten and zero and M. Right, if they if yeah. they if they knock off Auburn, right, yeah. they could look looking at the schedule. It's legitimately ten and zero, ten and zero going into Bama. That's a lot of motivation. That's a lot right. of hype and swagger with it with that team. You look right. at somebody like Baylor, who was unbeaten going into Oklahoma, right? And it was like if they get Oklahoma week three, right? It, it, changes, their it changes their season. But now Baylor's like, hey, we're we're undefeated, right? We can beat we can right. beat Oklahoma. And, so who knows what that mentality does? And too. To, to be clear, there are still holes on this team. The Absolutely. offensive line has to be. Better, like Absolutely. a lot better. Kellerman has to be consistent. Kellerman has to be more consistent. Uh, that's obviously one of the nice things about getting LSU at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. The other thing too is that if there is a team in the history of football that has ever needed Zach Evans more than Texas A&M, <laughs> they don't. I've never seen them. Right? right, right. They are down to one scholarship running back right now. Yep. It's it's weird. It's real weird. Now they also could add a grad transfer or something like that. Like that's not off the table either. But um, but they need running back help real bad. Mm-hmm. But if they can find running back help, if their linemen can take a small step, they don't have to be fantastic. I don't think that I, I think that maybe Kenyon Green's the only guy who we can ever expect to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, their tackles are fine, their interior players are fine. You hope that Ryan McCollum's a little healthier. But like if they're fine, then I think that there's a lot of upside on this team. And um and look you are entering one of the weakest SEC West years that we've had in a while because you got new coaches at Arkansas, you got a new coach at Mississippi State, a new coach at Ole Miss, and all three of those guys aren't necessarily guys that we expect to get everything turned around immediately. Right. And then on top of that, you're heading into, you know, usually we alternate between Gus years and fire Gus years. We had a Gus year this year. Who knows? Who knows? It <laughs> might be a fire Gus year next year. Yeah. And then you got, again, the defending national champs and the greatest coach in the history of football. That's obviously tougher. Mm-hmm. But then you also have Vanderbilt, who is kind of cratering right now. Um, and then you have Colorado, who's in year two of Mel Tucker. Like, I don't know, man. Yeah. There, there's a lot there. And you compare that to Texas, right? Texas has to play against an Oklahoma team now that's probably going to be starting Spencer Rattler, mm-hmm. who's very good. Mm-hmm. Texas also will have to play against an Oklahoma State team. Who all of a sudden looks like probably just based off production. Like, we're giving Oklahoma, we give Oklahoma the benefit of the doubt regardless. Yes, but, yes, yes. man, is Oklahoma State two or three in terms of that conference right I, now? I think that they are, a to me, uh-huh. a firm number two. Okay, that's fair. If, if you have James Lynch come back, if you have Graylin Arnold come back, if you have Matt Rule come back, we can have a conversation about that. Right. But, like... Texas has to be a lot different, I think, next year. They can't just be slightly better in next year, they have to, or than last year, excuse mm-hmm. me. They have to be different this year. Yeah. Um, you know, and then on top of that, Iowa State is mm-hmm. still a threat. TCU. Kansas State. I mean, these are – I think that they're actually – and this, this is a funny thing, right? I mean, you know, mm-hmm. everybody talks about Big 12 versus SC. The deal with Big 12 is, like, you've got six teams that are all top 25-ish teams. Right. And, like, you don't have the top one, top two, top three to mm-hmm. the same extent. But, like, you got to survive all of them. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma you didn't play. survive all of them last yeah, year. Yeah, you play all of them. <laughs> right. And, like, 
that's what makes Texas Path really hard because I think that this is a borderline 15 to 20 team next year probably. Sure. Uh, and with the upside to be borderline top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like you talk about other teams that could be in that caliber. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Baylor if they figure things out, TCU if they figure things out, Kansas State if they figure things out. Like mm-hmm. all of those teams – could be in that top 20 conversation. Right. Of course, none of them could be either. And also, we got we got the big old caveat of, hey, what if Chris Ash isn't that great? Yes. <laughs> what, what, what if hiring the Rutgers coach didn't fix everything? Right, exactly. <laughs> so there's also some uncertainty with Texas as a, just as a roster right. and as a program right you now. Got, you got two new coordinators, yeah. and you got to make sure that they learn thing, things right now. Yeah. Like granted, you might have the. I mean, they have the best quarterback in the state in the in the conference uh, going into next year, right? One of the best in the country, right? Clearly, and so like that means something. But I mean, the, we saw him be great this year, right? He was excellent this year. Sam Ellinger was excellent this year, and it almost didn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> at times didn't matter. So. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know. I I think that AM has a lot more obvious upside mm-hmm. because of the schedule. Because it's also year three under Jimbo. Year three is a lot of the time when you see the jump. Right. This is when we should start seeing. If Jimbo's going to work, it should start to work in 2020. Yeah. So uh, right now, if I had to pick, I think that Texas A&M is going to be the number one team in the state next year, which is a spot that they haven't held convincingly since Johnny Manziel. Right. Like, that's how long we're talking since A&M's been that consensus number one team is their first year in the SEC. But I think that with the senior quarterback, I think with the experience they have coming back, I think with heading into year three, I think with the way that they've recruited, I think with obviously the schedule, Texas A&M has a chance to win 10 games for the first time since 2012. Yeah. All right. Well, what a way to enter the offseason, right? <laughs> with some Texas A&M hype. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I get uh, a, a lot of messages with people saying that I'm not nice enough to Texas A&M, uh, so I this is unrelated, obviously, to, to what I just said. Yeah. Uh, because I don't really care whether you think I'm being nice enough to your team. But I'll tell you what, uh, Texas A&M, I think that this is going to be an important offseason for them. Um, and then, man, I, we didn't even talk about DeMond Demas coming in. Yeah. Did you, did you see his, his dunk in the uh, at the Polynesian Bowl? Yeah, he's, oh my God, it's, he's going to be so much fun. <laughs> I, I cannot wait to watch this guy play football. I've seen other great athletes, obviously. Yeah. Have you ever seen anybody who just floats like he does? Absolutely not. No. Like, I, I just, it's, uh, I don't even know what it is. Yeah. Right? Like, it's it's not like that he jumps high. It's not that he jumps far. It's that he just, like, doesn't come down. Right. Like, we're talking. It's so smooth. Like, I'm trying to think of the other guys. I mean, I think Jordan was a little like that. Mm-hmm. Like, Michael Jordan yeah, was yeah. one of those guys who kind of floated. Yeah. Uh, but, like, man, Vince dunk, jumped high. I don't know if he floated like that. Right, no. I don't know. Vince is more like authority, kind of <laughs> right. that athleticism. But Demond, it's, I mean, I mean, we, I go, I, I go back to the backflip at the opening that he did. Julius Irving. Like, ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. But like, yeah, I was that, the backflip at the backflip at the that, opening was just like, that was oh, this moment. guy's just like, flo- he's floating on air. Like, well, and it was funny too because like, with the way he had his arms out and yeah. stuff too, he was just like, are you not entertained? Like in the air, and, with the hair and wrap look, and everything. Look, look, look. That doesn't mean he's going to be a great receiver. Right. But it's just so, it's just, I mean, there's something about just appreciating athleticism like yeah. that. So, also, he's going to be a great receiver. He's also going to be a really great receiver. <laughs> and, and I'm sure he's ready to play football again after not getting to play all oh, the last Oh, for year. sure. So, oh, oh. 
look, I think that the last couple of years with Texas A&M, it's been a little while, like maybe back to Miles Garrett since we've like had just a personality and like just a dominant like, oh my God, we have to watch that guy every single week. Right. Like I think it might be that long at Texas A&M since we've had like a couple years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like Trayvon Williams was one of those guys too, but I don't know if it was like exactly the same thing. But like, yeah. Demond Demas is one of those guys that you have to turn the TV on for. <laughs> and and I'll tell you what, man, if if it does end up being A and M, so is Zach Evans. Yeah. So seeing those two in the same offense will be a lot of fun. And you know, another guy who let, let's let's tamp this down right now before before it gets out of control. But when Haynes King starts, not next year, right? Don't message me saying he's going to start next year because he's not going to start next year. <laughs> but when Haynes King starts, another one of those guys who's a lot of fun. So yeah. it's, a, it's a good recruiting class for right? Haynes. It really is. They're, they're going to be a lot of fun. And obviously if they can t- uh, cap it off with, with Zach Evans, I think. <sighs> Sky's the limit. We'll so. see. Who knows right. where that guy's going, though. So, <laughs> Who knows whether that guy's going to play yeah. college football. <laughs> Helman, can you just declare for the league? He's ready. <laughs> he's, man, he's a freak. He's a freak. I, hope, I hope whatever's going on with him, I hope he figures it out. Um, yeah. You know, because he's such a talent. And, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I hope we do get to see him play college football wherever. Like, if it's A&M, if it's in the state, great. If it's, yeah. you know. Well, join- I want to see him in the state, especially. Right, right. I, I want to see him in the state, absolutely. <laughs> but I also just want to see this guy play college football because, yeah. you know. He, I, I love to see talented kids showcase what they have. So. Yeah, no question. Well, I'm going to get back to uh, to tracking my, my texts and calls and also all of Twitter to try to figure out whether Baylor has a head coach as yet, uh, which is what I'll probably be doing for the next like 24 hours, there you if, go. We're, if we're being perfectly honest. <laughs> uh, but thanks, everybody, for listening. Again, you can follow all of our, all of our work at textfootball.com. Please subscribe if you haven't already, textfootball.com slash subscribe. Uh, we're in the midst of basketball season, too. TexasBasketball.com <laughs> something that we have to shout out. Uh, our maniac, Corey Hogue. Oh, my God. He went through. Okay, so, so we released a list of the top 150 players in both men's and women's basketball. for, And we're releasing every level, right? I think yes. we've just done D, D1. Rest, no, rest, we've, done D, we've, we've done, done all of them. Okay. Women's, men's and women's basketball, D1, D2, and D3. So we released the top 150 players uh, per sort of efficiency ratings. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't just give us. The top 150. No. He gave us every single player from Texas. <laughs> every single player from Texas. I told him. I was like, because uh, he gave me, that was for the men. The women, yes. I told him to cap at 100 because I was like, <laughs> you don't need to do all this. Like, cause right. It doesn't it doesn't format the way we, the, the very visually visible, visually uh, appealing. Right. Um, and so I said, I'll keep it for my record. You know, yes. and he and he said he can. I mean, now that the the spreadsheet's made, he can just continue to pump right, in those numbers, right, right. Um, and we can keep it for our own record. But like he sent, he sent literally every single men's basketball player from Texas D one through D three. I, I want to be very clear though when he <laughs> says. I, I just have the spreadsheet so I can pump in numbers. That's pumping in numbers for every single co- right. college basketball player in the state of Texas. Right. That's still going in and looking at the NCAA website and finding the number and putting it in. Like I, I, I just. He's a maniac. We appreciate him for it. Go check oh, it out. Like I said, all Please. classifications for both men's and women's basketball if you want to see the Please. most efficient players I in the state. I am begging you. Do not let his work be in vain. <laughs> Please. So so check that out at textbasketball.com. Uh, but, but thanks again to our sponsor, North Texas Honda Dealers. I might be in the market for a new Honda before too long. <laughs> I think it might be time. I think it might be time. But, uh, but anyway, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.